Let me tell you today about Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, or you can record it on another device or platform and transfer it to Anchor. It will distribute your podcast for you through Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast right in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Do you guys want to start, do you guys want to start recording the intro soon because I haven't had dinner yet? Yeah. I literally played some basketball. I, I played some basketball and then I... David, as soon as I got back, was like, yo, are you ready? I'm like, oh, shit, yeah. Eric, podcasts going- come before your hunger needs. <laughs> Here we go. Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show, show where we bring the heat up and in. I'm your starting pitcher to start out the show, David Mendelson, here with my middle relief, Eric Mendelson. Oh, hey, hey. And then our closer, Art Tornabeni. What's up, guys? Oh, not much. Uh, closer, Art here. You know, I uh, I'm in the dungeon, bringing you, uh, bringing bringing the heat in the ninth inning. I got one pitch. It's a it's a cutter. Um, just just living life. We had a huge fire. The oldest oldest house in my town burned down today, shut down the entire town. All the streets were closed uh, in a small town like the one where I live. It's a lot of excitement. So, uh, you know, that that's that's my story. If I'm going to be a middle reliever, I at least want to be for the race. So I get a lot of innings pitched. <laughs> Maybe they'll just make you an opener. I'm cool with that. Um, so are, you know, I'm calling you the closer after that, uh, that epic speech from last week, you just come in and clean up. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I shut it down End the game, seal the win, drop the mic, drop the mic. <laughs> so I heard this today. Have you guys heard of the shopping cart rule? No. Do you put them back in the corral? Is that it? So the shopping cart rule is to determine if you are naturally a good person or not. When you go shopping, do you put the shopping cart back with the other shopping carts or do you leave it in the parking lot just in an empty space for them to get later? Oh, always back in the corral. David, you remember like six years ago when my car was hit by a bunch of shopping carts and teenagers rammed in. I would never yeah. put that on anyone ever again. I definitely you put it back in the corral. I park near a corral so that it's easy to put it back there. That's my rule. Well, they call it the shopping cart rule because you technically don't get penalized for leaving it out. So it's up to your good conscience if you put it back or not. Like you don't get anything from it. You're doing like a good deed and you won't get in trouble if you don't do it. I noticed you didn't answer that, David. Are you are you a good person? All right. Well, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Ninety percent of the time I put it right back in. But let's say it's it's a torrential downpour and I'm way parked away from the shopping cart. I'll find an open space, let it breathe and sit there, and I'll go uh, put my butt in my car. I'm getting a new brother. <laughs> <laughs> that is the worst time. Only if it's, it's like a downpour and like I'm trying to get to my car. <laughs> but but I'm yeah, a good like person, I'm, unless it's in 
convenient. <laughs> <laughs> well, on deck today, we have injury bounce back or injury drop off. We are looking at 12 guys, six hitters and six pitchers for who we think are going to either bounce back this year or are going to completely fall off the cliff, Wiley Coyote style. And we're doing that with our guest this week, Mr. Casey Bubba from Bench with Bubba, who's waiting in the hole. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Then we hit cleanup with our question of the week this week. What is the best batting stance of all time? And at the bottom of the order, we have our mystery game. But first up to bat is our news and notes. Just coming out today, today is June 3rd, Pittsburgh Pirates right-hander Chris Archer underwent surgery to address thoracic outlet syndrome and will not pitch this season. The Pirates expect Archer to return in full competition in 2021. Last year, Archer struggled in his first season, his full season with Pittsburgh, going 3-9 and nine with a 5.19 ERA in 23 starts. So, Eric, I'm going to start with you. Is this the end of Chris Archer as a first of all, as a major league pitcher, and second of all, as a fantasy asset? I don't think it's the end as a major league pitcher. I think his name alone will carry some value, and some team might take a chance if the Pirates don't pick up his option. I think in terms of fantasy relevance, his days are over. Um, He started out the year well last year, but kind of tailed off, Uh, was very dependent on strikeouts early in his career, and obviously doesn't have the velocity that he does. Personally, I like him, and I would be okay as a late-round flyer in 2021, but, um, you know, hopefully he heals up 100%. All right, what about you? I mean, I I felt like he was a good a good value this year. Uh, he started to change his pitch mix up a little bit last year and really recovered some of that strikeout capability towards the very end of last season, and I thought he might be able to carry that into this season. It's really disappointing that this injury comes in. Uh you know, it's it's a real serious pitcher injury for a pitcher. I don't know if he's going to come back. I think, uh, and if he seems like a, a really good guy, hard worker, uh, he he's going to work to bring it back. I mean, but uh, but I don't have a ton of confidence. Yeah, I, I think at this point right now, Eric says a late round flyer next year. Um, I don't think anybody's expecting great things from Chris Archer at this point. I know we were talking before recording. We look at guys like this has become the Matt Harvey surgery. And you look at how Matt Harvey's career completely derailed after this surgery. There's also guys like Phil Hughes, who was never the same pitcher after this surgery. I'm just, I see thoracic outlet syndrome and I just immediately am worried about the rest of their careers. Um, this, This just takes away their velocity. It takes away their effectiveness. And I will gladly let someone else take Chris Archer whenever that is in 2021. Bigger news and notes. Unable to reach a return to play agreement, Major League Baseball has discussed playing a shorter schedule in which it would pay the members of the MLB Players Association their full prorated salaries, sources familiar with the situation told ESPN. Although MLB does not intend to propose this to the players, the possibility of implementing a schedule of around 50 50 games that could start in July have been considered by the league as a last resort in the event that the parties can't come to a deal, sources have said. Players have held out for full prorated portions of their salaries based on a March 26th agreement with the league, 
And then Offer Sunday proposed a 114-game schedule that would cover 70.3% of their original salaries. A 50-game schedule with full pro rate, uh, full pro rate would actually pay the players 30.8% of that number. A shortened schedule would run in contrast to what the players sought in their proposal to the league that was sent in on Sunday. Um, the league's first proposal to the union was an 82-game schedule with significant pay cuts. So we're basically at a point right now, that, this is how I looked at this, is the MLB offered a horrible trade. Like if you were in your fantasy league, they offered like a, a, a Mike Trout for um, the worst guy on the, the Arizona Diamondbacks roster. And the MLB Players Association laughed and sent them their own version of that trade. And it's just one bad trade after another. And coming out today with how MLB rejected their proposal without a counter, it seems like to me that the only thing that's left on this table is a 50-game season where the players get the salary they want and then the league doesn't have to pay for more games. And um, with these latest developments, I am guess what I'm going to start with you are – do you think that there's going to be an agreement on both sides at any point and we can start baseball this season? Well, I think there's going to be an agreement. Um, I think that uh, the NBA seems to be closing in on an agreement right now. And that is a, uh, that is a big, uh, provides a big incentive for the MLB to close in on an agreement. Um, it is disappointing that, that there is uh, you know, like you said, two stinky offers back and forth. Uh, I'm hoping that this is the first legitimate negotiation stance that might be countered with a legitimate counter. Uh, but I don't have uh, any sort of timeline on when it's going to happen. 50 games, I think, could start August 1st, and you could still get 50 games in pretty easy. So the, the July 1st deadline looks a little bit... Uh, a little bit weak for me. Well, July 1st start looks a little bit weak to me if they're going to propose a 50-game schedule. So, uh, you know, that's where I am on this one. I think the uh, – I think – I hope that the, there's a legit counter. That's, I guess, what I have to say about this. And one thing before I go to you, Eric, is they're all – the owners have made very clear that they do not want to extend the season past October 31st. They don't want to deal with it. There's a second wave of the pandemic and the, out, what they'll have to do for the season. So they're very clear that they want the season over October 31st at the latest. So a season will have to get done by then, however many games they decide. So, Eric, what are your thoughts on this whole issue? Well, Art's uh, passionate rant last week inspired me to do some research for mine. From the beginning, I've been very pessimistic that baseball would happen this season. I think that there were many hoops to jump through, and um, – the only thing that we know right now that we didn't know a month ago was it's about the money. It's not about safety at this point. It's about how who's going to make how much money and how is it going to be split up. Buster, Arn Buster Olney wrote a really great article this week um, titled, the, not only the 2020 MLB season is in doubt, but the future of the MLB is at stake as well. And he starts off with a bunch of hypotheticals. This deal has to get done, right? Millionaires and billionaires have to get together and strike a deal in this pandemic, right? We're not gonna see a strike in baseball, right? And these are all hypotheticals that people just assume are gonna get done just because we want it to happen at the bottom of our hearts. But what this has turned into 
And Jeff Passan mentioned it on SportsCenter today. This has turned into distrust. This has turned into a PR battle. On the player side, we've seen Blake Snell, Trevor Bauer, Max Scherzer come out and paint their side of the picture. We've had Kyle Loesch get into Twitter arguments. We've had you know, various executives come out and paint their side of the picture. And rather than looking to get a deal done, it's making the other side seem bad in the public eye so that that side has to cave. Jake Diekman uh, said, it's very irritating that all of the information regarding the start of baseball season is getting leaked before 95% of the players can even see it. To me, that proves my point even further. I think it's, it's more about getting what they want. Um, and I, I'm not angry about them negotiating. Anyone that's worked in corporate America knows negotiations are part of business. But there's an element of professionalism. You sit down and you give your first offer. And obviously, you're not going to give your best offer right away. But there's an element of compromise where you meet in the middle. And in terms of professionalism, if you're interviewing for a job, if you're asking for a raise, you don't co- you don't go and put that business out there. It's between you and whatever party that you have. They say that history has a way of repeating itself. Back in January of 1942, before U.S. got involved in World War II, Commissioner Kennesaw Mountain Landis, the same one that banned the Chicago Bla- eight players from the Chicago Black Sox scandal, asked FDR what they should do in regards to the baseball season. FDR responded the next day by saying, I honestly feel that it would be best for the country to keep baseball going. There will be fewer people unemployed There will be a chance for recreation and taking their minds off of work. Fast forward to 2019, 2020, almost 100 years past the Black Sox scandal. Baseball already has a black eye from the Astros scandal. If they don't come back this season, people aren't going to be mad just because the fact that there wasn't a baseball season. It's been the whole past year of what's been going on, the integrity of the game, the fact that it's now about more money than just the love of it. And the NBA finalizing an agreement today is just the cherry on top. I want to end with this note. Everybody is aware of what's going on in this country of racial injustice and police not being held accountable. And the root of that is division. There's a lot of division in this country. And baseball can be a pioneer for unity, for coming together and to set an example and hope that we all need during this time. I hope when we do this pod this next week that we have some positive news and that hopefully we have a season. Yeah, and Eric, I, there's nothing I can add to what you said. It's great, uh, you know, very well uh, said speech there. And unfortunately, like we said, we're recording right now June 3rd. So hopefully by the next time we record, we have some positive news that we have somewhat of a season, whether it's 50 games, 80 games, whatever it is. But in the meantime, we all as baseball fans, you know, us as fantasy baseball podcasters, we, we want to talk about not just drafts and, and, and question marks. We want to talk about actual stats and players. And hopefully MLB and the, uh, the Players Association and the owners can come to some kind of agreement because we all just want baseball. Yeah, I think, you know, Eric, I was not thinking like this until you said it, bringing up Kennesaw Mountain Landis and Franklin Roosevelt. And the black eye that the 1919 Black Sox gave, you know, I was a kid when the 1994 strike happened, and that was something that devastated baseball fanhood. Until 1998, when when people ignored the fact that steroids were causing this great power surge, 
this is the type of thing that could also again devastate baseball fanhood in this country if they can't get past this I, I get past the disagreement and like you said be an example for other people it, that it's very well said eric yeah we, again we can't add anything to what you said very well said and on that note we will move we are a fantasy baseball podcast so we want to get to the actual fantasy baseball content and like we said in the beginning of the show we had our man a nice guy great dude casey bubba on so He's with us to talk about injury bounce back or injury drop off. So please enjoy the rest of the show with our guy, Casey Bubba. Weekly shout out, Jeff McNeil. Just please talk to the players on behalf of Triple Play Fantasy. <laughs> we welcome in our guest for this week. You may know him from Benched with Bubba podcast, Fantasy Degens. Rotoballer MLB, and many more fantasy sports pods. He's a big San Francisco Giants fan, and he's at Trek on Twitter. Fantasy expert, Casey Bubba. Bubba, what's going on, man? What is up, guys? Thanks for having me. A little triple play baseball. I love the name. I love the group, the excitement here. Let's talk some baseball. It's tough to find some excitement with baseball these days, and you guys got me going already. This is going to be fun. Awesome. Awesome. You got me right. <laughs> let's do it <laughs> so before we get started i am curious the name is awesome i love your nickname is it was this from bubba starling from the kansas city royals or how did you get your nickname oh it's fun because see you are like many that think casey's for kansas city i've never lived in missouri um i, I or or, or uh, any area of kansas city over there uh i'm from california KC is a small city i live in called king city so it throws everybody off it's so much fun but uh, Bubba, I've just I've had that name since I was a little kid and uh, kind of grew into it, as they say. So uh, I just kept it. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, we're glad Bubba's here because we have a big topic to talk about today, especially with uh, everything going on in baseball. We're talking about injury bounce backs, you know, uh, like the song they have. I think it's Big Sean, the song that goes uh Last night took an L, but tonight I bounce back, bounce back. That's oh, all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice, I was, nice. I thought that was way over my head at first. I'm like, Big Sean. <laughs> <laughs> or we're talking about if they're injury drop-offs like Wiley Coyote falling off the cliff chasing Roadrunner. There we go. So uh, we're going to be – what we're going to be doing is each of the guys have four players that they're going to talk about, two hitters and two pitchers. And – we're going to be looking at these guys that either missed all or most of 2019 or coming into this season uh, in spring training with injury question marks. And they're going to tell you if they're guys that you should expect bounce backs from or guys that you think they might drop off a cliff and you should avoid, especially for those that are getting ready to, to potentially do drafts uh, with hopefully baseball potentially coming back. Um, so we are going to go to our first either star or victim. David, We're going to start David, with David. Yes. Let me just cut you off. Bubba, today you you tweeted out for uh -oh. the 50-game season, head-to-head -head <laughs> leagues uh, should not be should not be done. You can't see it done. I, I just I mean, we're we're part of a head-to-head -head league together. I'm wondering like what what are your thoughts on on that? What, uh, can you can you expound on that? Yeah, I'm glad you asked because the world of Twitter, you know, 240 characters, people can get pretty feisty on little things like that. <laughs> but um, it wasn't saying, I guess, 
completely don't play head-to-head leagues. It was more the idea that when you're playing baseball, and we already have a shortened season, the beauty of fantasy baseball is the longevity. The, 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 it's more of a marathon, not a sprint. So you have to work through it all. So the short season factor, when you're talking head-to-head, say it's a 12 weeks from the start of whatever 50-game season we have, maybe you get anywhere from 10 to 12 weeks. Who knows how they're going to do it? Mm-hmm. So say you get 10 weeks and you want to have playoffs still in your head-to-head, so now you're playing, what, six weeks, seven weeks, and you have a 12-team league, like you're not facing everybody. And I've heard other other ideas, and it makes it, it makes more sense than my just saying, no, you shouldn't do it. Um, I've heard the idea you play two to three teams a week, so you rack up more head-to-heads and that stuff like that. Totally makes sense. Um, a, a follower made a great idea, because I'm a roto guy through and through. I do head-to-head for football, and I know a lot of people come to baseball due to football. On board with that, too. Um Someone made a great point. You could do like Roto for, say, three quarters of it, 80% of it. And then you have your top four, top six teams there. They can go head-to-head for the playoffs. That mm-hmm. could be fun. So there's lots of ways to do it. So I guess I'm not saying completely don't do it. It's just it makes it much more difficult to, I guess, get that edge in a head-to-head with fewer chances to play head-to-head. Bubba, if somebody wins a championship this season, assuming we have a baseball season, is there an asterisk? Oh, heck no. Uh, flags fly forever here, boys. Like, that's just how it's going to go. It's going to be a wild, it's going to be a wild season. I can already see it now. Like if I win, I'm victory lapping the heck out of it. At the same time, I already know everyone's going to get like, Oh, come on. You got lucky. Cause this guy was hot for three weeks. And now that like, I can already see it coming a mile away, but that, that's half the fun. Cause what do we play fantasy sports to begin with for? We love sports and we get to talk a lot of trash with our league mates. So it's just the beauty of it all. I know um, we had talked about this in a group chat with us three. If they do a head-to-head league, but if the where you ever you play your leagues, if they give you the option where you could play two people a week, would you consider that a, a good option for a head-to-head league? That'd be a good start. I, I, that's what we already do in football, in, in a league I play for football, and I love it because that's the other thing. If you're playing, say you play one team and you only play six games. And say you don't have it goes in leagues. You have a phenomenal week. You just happen to play the only other team that would have beat you that week. Does that really mean you had a bad team? And that's where I guess I guess I get frustrated with head to head. So I think if you play more than one matchup a week, that goes a long way in helping the cause. Would expanding playoffs be another reasonable solution? So like we're in a 12 team league and top six make it top two get buys. But if you expanded that to eight or 10 um, so that more people have a chance to play for a championship. You guys are like Rob Manfred over there. Let's just keep expanding the playoffs. No, I'm, kidding. <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. Like if, if, if I'm down for whatever, as long as your league's good with it and it brings people to stay interested in the season, I'm all for it. Like get weird with it. I, I saw a bunch of people throw out some interesting ideas that I might tweak with. Like I'm good with all kinds of ideas of fantasy. Let us get some baseball because the beauty of it, if we're playing fantasy baseball, we're having this discussion that you get to actually live out. That means we have baseball to watch and talk about. So I'm good with whatever format you want to put out there. Agreed. I like it. I like it. And in all these formats, we are going to have to figure out how we're going to draft these players. So we're going to go to our first one. Bubba, give us your thoughts on probably one of the most talked about players in drafts, Aaron Judge. Oh, Aaron Judge. Good old Aaron Judge. Uh, This is a guy I've written about many times. I have podcasted about many times. I am not talking about drafting Aaron Judge, though. Do not draft Aaron Judge. I'm not drafting Aaron Judge. I know some people still like Aaron Judge, but when every new report comes out, and, you know, before in mid-March when all this happened, 
there was reports he'd be out for just like, you know, four to six weeks, nothing major. When people forget it was like a ligament, a muscle, like you don't know how that's going to heal. And as we've seen as this time's gone on, he keeps having every two weeks, he's got to take a new scan, a new this, a new that. And they're optimistic he'll be okay. But there's nothing to say about that. He's a big dude. You know, you guys can see me on camera. I'm a big dude, but he's a big dude in a different way. Um, and, <laughs> and so, so, like, when I move around, I pull things just because the wrong piece of fat moved the wrong direction. When he pulls things, there's too much muscle involved, and it's tough to, to rehab that properly without just sitting out if he starts pushing back. So with all that being said, I'm not going to take him at pick 56. Uh, that's where he's gone since April in the NFPC drafts. There's other things I'd rather do there. In, in a season where volatility is going to be so insane as it is, sure, maybe he stays healthy and goes crazy. There's a lot of other home run bats later in the draft. you got Fran Reyes, you got Kyle Schwarber, you got a bunch of guys after pick 100 that you can go and get home runs with. I will pass on Aaron Judge. I will go and get, you know, go get some pitching. Go get Juan Moncada, Eloy Jimenez right after him. Lots of guys to play with besides Aaron Judge. So taking what you just said, is being built like an Adonis, sculpted from rock. Aaron Judge's, the Tyler O'Neills, even the Dan Uglas of the world. Are, are they guys that you just like, they just eventually just break down just because you can't be built that way and play baseball? Well, let's, let's, let's think about it this way. No, I am not a doctor and I did not stay at a Holiday Inn Express. But <laughs> if, if, we, if we think about it, I've been, I've been watching baseball for a long time. I've been playing baseball for a long time. I have a hunch I'm slightly older than you guys. Not, not a lot, but slightly older. And <laughs> Like when I grew up watching, you know, 80s and 90s baseball, there wasn't a lot of in-shape guys. They barely started using weights in the 90s. Toward, like once steroids took place late 90s, that's when he started seeing it. I did a podcast on, um, I believe it was the 93 season or 94, and the jump in the power, you could start to see it coming. And that's when guys started working out. And then it's what, in the late 2000s, we started seeing these oblique injuries that never happened back in the day. Like there's all these new muscles getting pulled. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. They're going to be healthy. They're going to live a long life, a lot longer than me. But when it comes to playing baseball and staying healthy, look at the guys that have constant muscle injuries. Stanton, uh, Judge, mm -hmm. there's like similar guys. They're the ones that work out all the time. Not it's, it's not a bad thing. Heck, this is a baseball podcast, but Tiger Woods was hurt all the time when he worked out a lot. And now he stopped and he's getting healthy again. Mm -hmm. You can get healthy without overdoing it. These guys might be overdoing it. I, I really agree with that. And I think, again, you don't really see too many successful baseball players that are on the, uh, was it ESPN, the uh, the naked issue or whatever, the, the body, body issue. issue. Too many, not too many of them are super successful in a long-term baseball. So I think there's a correlation. Yeah, let's not forget Prince Fielder made the cover there, and he only stopped playing baseball because he had a neck injury, nothing to do with muscle or fat. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're going to move to uh, from Prince Fielder to another aging hitter here. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon, or I know this is one of your darlings, uh, and I have a feeling that you're going to talk this guy up a little bit. So go ahead and take it away. Well, I, I look at Andrew McCutcheon. I, I'm, first of all, I, I, I consider him a bounce back. Uh, he's, he has surgery for a torn ACL. He had it last June. Now, uh, typical recovery time, seven to nine months. He was originally set to miss the beginning of the season, uh, and that is the beginning of the season, obviously, is is long gone. I look at the examples of people who come back too early. The one that comes to mind is Jerry Rice, 1997, tried to come back after three and a half months and broke his kneecap on the grafted knee when he came back too early. Uh, now, he's McCutcheon has had plenty of time. Now, <clears throat> he's 33 years old, so he's not... He's not like 
in prime recovery position. But right now, I just looked at his fantasy pros ADP. It's 233. I don't know why. I checked a few weeks ago when we were drafting. He was at like 181. He's dropping like crazy. Maybe I'm missing some information, but I don't think so. He's had more than adequate recovery time. And uh, and I really think that if he's if he's given some chance to DH a little too, maybe he can uh, even rest it a little bit more. Uh, stolen bases are not a big part of his game anymore. He's a big on-base uh, percentage guy. He's going to hit about 250, give you some pop, give you on-base percentage. And he's uh, leading off, I think, for Philadelphia. So he's got the counting stats as well. I really like McCutcheon. And, and at ADP 233, I mean, you're not going to find a guy at that at that level who's going to produce like Andrew McCutcheon. Do you see the DH as being a big reason why his value to you is so much higher? And if there wasn't a DH that you wouldn't feel quite the same, considering he probably won't be able to move in the outfield as well to be able to go chase down balls. So the DH being a huge advantage to his value. I, I don't think it is a huge advantage to his value. I consider it uh, a thing that the Phillies Girardi can throw him at DH if he wants to give his knee a rest once a week, once every two weeks, and uh, and he's not having to put the strain on it day after day after day. It's just an option to give him a sort of field rest day rather than really something that's going to boost his value very much. I think the DH is just a little a little bonus on on his value right now. So are you 100% confident that he's not just peeking over the hill and, and being pushed over? You think he's still, he still has some left to give and he's not dropping off completely? I do. I am. I mean, you can see like his, his batting average has dropped off from his career highs. His, his, he was never a huge power hitter. His power is actually still in line with his best part of his career. His steals are way off from the best part of his career. But I, you're not drafting him for speed at 233. You're drafting him because he gets on base, he scores runs, and he has a little bit of pop. All right. Well, speaking of pop, we talked about Aaron Judge. We're going to move into his uh, Yankee teammate, who we also referenced. He's been uh, referred to as made of glass many times on this podcast. <laughs> Eric, go ahead and talk about Giancarlo Stanton. David, to warm up, you throw me a softball lob pitch. Easy sell on Giancarlo <laughs> Stanton. Last year, he started out with a strained bicep. While he was recovering from that, strained his shoulder and got a cortisone shot. Fast forward a month in May, calf issues. Comes back, sprains his PCL. Played a total of 21 games last year. But when he's healthy, from 2016 to 2018, he had 205 walks compared to 514 strikeouts. He's hit 290 once in his career. You're really banking on John Carlos Stanton to hit for power. And I think he hasn't played games a lot. I think with a shortened season, he's going to sit out more games um, or potentially DH. I'm not a big John Carlos Stanton fan, and it could be because he did me wrong. But um, I think I think it's fair to say that his best days or his healthiest days are in the past. So I think he's I'm guessing he burned a lot of bridges with you. No return. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I took him in both leagues I was in. He was the only player I double dipped with. I felt super confident, and he broke my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Not personal. So, Eric, the fact that he's slidden down so much in drafts, his ADP is a lot lower than it normally is. You still don't like the buy low uh, appeal that he has this season. 
No, he already got hurt in spring training. And to the point that Bubba made, he's one of those guys that's so muscular that I think it doesn't do him any benefit. I think that's where he gets a lot of his power from because he's built like an Adonis. But I think in the game of baseball, that doesn't necessarily help you. And I think if you take him, it's only going to be a matter of time before he gets hurt. And if there's still value on the board, if there's uh, young players that might have good upside, I would rather take them. I feel like just my thoughts is I think the pressure of of being on the Yankees and and I feel like once you're not performing, that pressure keeps mounting more and more every season to where not only are you fighting the physical aspect of the game and the mental aspect that you're on the field, you versus the pitcher, but you're also weighing on that whole baseball universe, especially the Yankee universe, kind of every single at bat, like if I strike out again, the whole crowd's going to boo me. And I feel like that can't be undervalued in this situation with how much of us, you know, how much money he's getting paid and, and the rough stretch he's kind of been in the last, you know, year and a half. I, I feel like that, that, that can't go on, you know, on state without saying that that probably plays somewhat of a factor. Yeah. But think about Jacoby Ellsbury got a huge payday from the Yankees. Who? Had one productive. <laughs> <laughs> They're still paying him. Yeah. That, that's, that's honestly how I could see it being with John Carlos Stanton, just injury after injury and not being able to get out of that, that contract. Interesting. Well, it's a lot of negativity to start out the show. So I feel like we might be moving in a positive direction with this next guy. Hopefully, Bubba, how do you feel about Willie Calhoun? I was really hoping you'd ask me about Willie Calhoun. I love <laughs> Willie Calhoun. We're going from a guy that was in shape to a guy that has a shape. And this is what I'm talking about. Like, <laughs> Willie Calhoun is, is my kind of like spirit animal. He's 25 years old. He got hit in the jaw in spring training by a Julio Urias fastball. That was going to take him out for a little while. He's good to go. He, he's, he's already taken BP. He's practicing. He's put videos out. And one thing about Willie Calhoun is he's a pure hitter. He's an absolute just machine. In the minors, he was usually hitting around 290 or so outside of a, a random uh, little blip with like the Rangers. If you look at all his minor league numbers, 290 or above pretty much everywhere. He struggled in short durations with the big club. But last year in 83 games, 21 homers, hit 270. And, and one thing I love about Willie Calhoun, only a 16% strikeout rate, which is really good for a young player. Even though he hit 270, a 256 ISO, um, only a 262 BABIP, so there's a lot of improvement possibility there. He's shown power in the minors. He's not going to steal bases. That goes back to the shape thing. Not going to steal bases. But one thing that really works well for Calhoun is, you know, obviously the Rangers have a DH. That's no surprise. But that will allow him to hit more. They're, they're going to move guys around with the club. He's going to play every day. He's going to be healthy as long as Nick Solak stays out of the way, which I like Nick Solak. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a very young, player, young talented player. But Willie Calhoun, just the, the upside for power, he's going way too low. He's going to move up draft boards uh, once we do start drafting. But people let him go because of the injury. He's, he's going far too low. He should jump another 40 or 50 picks. And I, I'd be having him in a heartbeat because he's one of those guys that you don't – usually early in the drafts you have to draft for power and batting average – you're going to get power and batting average much, much later, which could be huge if you took a gamble somewhere else. I love Willie Calhoun. I want to have a lot of Willie Calhoun. I'm with you, Bubba. And I remember when uh, he started out the or he started out the year in the minors, I believe, last year. Got called up when Hunter Pence had that injury. And then when Hunter Pence was activated off the IL, they put him back or they demoted him back to the minors. And I remember going on his Twitter and he said that this is the most disrespectful thing that's ever happened to me. And it seemed like a fire lit under his stomach. And I think he's that type of person that will carry it around with him. Light a fire under your belly. There you go. 
Uh, and that he's the type of person kind of like Draymond Green always remembers the 32 people or whatever drafted above him. I think he's that type of person that's always going to have that in his mind every at bat. Mm-hmm. I'm so, with you. I'm sorry, Bubba. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say, I'm with you. I really, really like him. So my, my concern is, and, and you touched on it, Bubba, I feel like they really like Nick Solak a lot. And I know that he was going to play every day pretty much while Calhoun was hurt with the jaw. Now that they're both back there, are you worried? Because there just seems like something about the organization that just doesn't fully trust him in an everyday role, going back to what Eric was saying and demoting him last year when he did nothing to get demoted. And he was, he's was he been in the minors for a few years, but, and you could say he should have been called up sooner. Is there any part of you that's worried that they don't fully trust him, uh, you know, either as an everyday role or that they just there's just something that they don't like in his game that they, they don't want to fully unleash him and play him every day? Well, the thing with him is his defense is horrific. It's really, really bad. Like, he came up in the minors as a second baseman. That's disgusting. They have him projected to play left field. He can play maybe first base. He can DH. But, like, they got Chu DH. You know, got roster resource up. They got Calhoun batting third, playing left field. But you got Gallo. Todd Frazier's kind of the guy that's making the mess out of the situation. Todd Frazier's mm-hmm. playing third base. I can see him playing first base. I can see him DH. You never know. But Ronald Guzman's not that good. As much as I like Rudin and Odor, and I think he's a great value where he's going because you can easily drop him if he stinks, he's got mm-hmm. tremendous upside. Danny Santana, do we really believe he's going to have a great year? It, it's, it's, you're either on one side of the fence there. That, that's a big yeah, debate. Yeah. That, that's a whole other yeah. podcast probably. But um, <laughs> like the thing is, though, I just named off like four or five question marks there. And one thing Willie Calhoun can do to keep him in the lineup is hit where those other guys struggle at. And Nick Solak can play many positions. So it's really easy to move a few pieces – Keep Willie in there. Solak get his at-bats. I could see, like, like Guzman getting out of the way real quick. Like, and uh, I I do think it's interesting you bring all that up because that might be the biggest question mark team with all those names. I mean, they could have a whole different look to them from uh, game one to game 50, you know. So I think it's one of those things you'll definitely have to keep an eye on if and when the season starts. Um, But let's go to Mr. Consistency next. Mr. 247. Chris Davis, our takeaway for Chris Davis, what do you think for his value? I I am, as far as his recovery from the injury, I'm I'm unsure. His value at average ADP 176 on Fantasy Pros, it's worth a shot at that range. Now, the reason why I say I'm not sure about his recovery, uh, last season was the first year in he didn't have a fifth straight season of 247 last year. He hit 220. He didn't have a fourth straight season of at least 40 home runs. He hit, I think, 23. And why? Because of the injuries. He ran into a wall and injured his back. He had a hip contusion uh, after that. All of this sapped his power. Uh, now, what, what the back injury, why that worries me is when you look at Chris Davis' hit. 2017, he had this batting stance where he was basically looking over his shoulder at the pitcher and really uncorking to like like a corkscrew and just all this potential energy and whap. He moved to this sort of waggle batting stance where he's moving back and forth, and it's very timing-based. And I think if there are any lingering effects from like back injury, hip injury, he also suffered a calf injury in spring training. He's and on top of that, he's 32 years old. He's a small guy producing a lot of power out of a small frame. I am worried that the injuries are starting to mount 
and that timing on that on that uh, on that swing is going to be off. It looks like a very timing based swing. Last year, you saw that he barreled the ball way less. His exit velocity was way down. His launch angle was down. And pitchers are pitching him a little differently. They're starting to throw him a lot more breaking balls. So he has to adjust to that. He already adjusted his batting stance. Is he going to keep that sort of loose timing-based batting stance? I think at 176, he's worth the gamble that he's going to he's going to be able to find it because he was so consistent. But I worry about because he's a small guy uh, in baseball terms and uh, and his swing is so timing based. I worry that he's not going to return to the to even close to the heights that he had two seasons ago. Now, kind of going, this is kind of the same talk we had with uh, Stanton and kind of McCutcheon a little bit. Is his current value enough or, or low enough to where those question marks to you aren't as big concern that since he's so much farther off from where he's usually drafted at that you're willing to take a gamble on, you know, his adjustments he's making, his new swing and, and injury. concerns. Well, yeah, in a 15 team league, he's in the 12th round and a 12 team league. He's in the 15th round. If you've got a chance to get a 40 home run bat at that at that range, you take that chance. Uh, you probably reach him in a round or two early, but, uh, you know, it is, you are risking, uh, a guy who's coming off of an injury, which really, really, uh, degraded his performance. He wasn't, his performance wasn't down cause he missed a ton of time. He, he's about a hundred plate appearances off from his previous seasons, but not a ton. His batting, his home runs were halved last year and, and the, and the, uh, and the peripheral stats, which the baseball savant stats, I guess I'll, I'll call them, showed a decline in actual performance. So I am worried, and I hope that he has a, had been able to recover. And maybe this long, this extra time gave him that chance to really recover. Well, I, I hope you're right, Art, because I invested heavily in Chris Davis this year. So <laughs> fingers crossed that uh, what you're saying is going to hopefully be true in that sense. And uh, you know, speaking of question marks, there's a guy that here that I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on. Cespedes for the rest of us. Eric, <laughs> give me the thought I, on you and his Cespedes. I'd like to start off by saying I've always thought Cespedes is an overrated player. And I dug a little deeper into his career. He's had 100 RBIs twice. Um, his career high in walks is 51 and he's only had over 40 walks twice, and he strikes out over 100 times most seasons when he's healthy. I think he had a few really good seasons and has a strong arm, which kind of made him a little bit of a magnetic figure. He's 34 years old. He's played 100 games once since 2015. Um, he just had a recent incident this year where he fell off a horse. I'm not trying to trash his, his personality or his character. I think he's one of those guys that when he got paid, didn't really care about his performance. I don't think he felt the need to live up to his contract. He seems like one of those guys that is just kind of in his own world. Um, I don't see where the Mets would be able to play him every day. I think there's younger talent that they'd like to get in the outfield with Conforto and Nimmo um, and some other young players. I just don't think I see him fitting into the Mets clubhouse. Dominic Smith is still on the roster, isn't he? Yes. Yes, he yes, is. I I would think, yeah, he's going to probably get some at-bats for them as well. Um, no, I mean, I agree. He's, he's a giant question mark. He's, I think, I mean, 
I don't have his ADP right up in front of me, but I do know that he's, you don't really have to invest a whole lot into he's him. He's basically free. Yes. Yeah. But, but and, the thing is, he's had, a lot, he's had a lot of heel and foot issues, and those aren't things that go away. And think about it. Even if you get a hit and you run it out, you're putting pressure on those parts. So I don't think it's, it's an injury or an area where it will fully heal. I think the more that you put uh, traction on it, the more likely it is to flare up. I agree. And there's just something the Mets have a bad aura over their organization. <laughs> their medical being team is not the best. Their medical team is a bad record. <laughs> but uh, think about Suspettis. Um, the, the one thing I'll say, and I don't disagree with anything you said, universal DH. That's where he could play. Yeah. That's the thing. If they could say, hey, you get to hit four times a game, don't run hard, he's good at both those things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So before we move on to pitchers, let me just ask each of you guys, yes or no, is he their opening day DH game one? Bubba? I say yes, but I have a caveat I want to hear after all your answers. Eric? No. Art? Uh, I guess. I, I guess Dominic Smith would be the other guy I, I, I might throw in there as a DH. They'll bring up a guy from single A before they do seven. Well, no. Art, that's not a yes or no answer. <laughs> is it yes or no? I'll say yes. I guess okay. Yes. Well, but what funny, were you gonna say? The funny thing you mentioned, the minor league thing. If anybody is built to be a DH, they have a guy they signed a minor league deal. His name is Matt Adams. He is oh, yeah, built yeah, to yeah. be a designated oh, hitter. Yeah. Like that, and that could be some cheap, cheap way for the Mets to roster someone with expanded rosters. It's gonna be a wild season. So I'm not saying Matt Adams is gonna play. I'm not saying go draft Matt Adams, but I'm saying keep an eye on that because that's literally. He's like a Matt Stairs clone who literally should play slow pitch softball, drink a pitcher of beer, and go home. That is a designated hitter. That's Bubba. That's Bubba, how'd you read my mind? How'd you read my <laughs> mind? I was literally thinking about Matt Stairs. Yeah, uh, I'd write a Universal DH article and I couldn't stop. I, I had to put his name in there like three times because it was just perfect. Something about Matt is a Universal DH name, I guess. There you go. It's like the Karen of DHs. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's move into the uh, – those were our hitters we were going to discuss. Let's move into the pitchers next, who are always fun to talk about because there's – with injuries with pitchers, it's a little bit more magnified. And the first guy we're talking about here has the potential to be a top-five pitcher when healthy, but the injury bug's always with him some way or another, Mike Clevenger. So, Bubba, how are you feeling about Mike? Oh, Clev, Clev Dog is a guy I'm a big fan of. Uh, before he got hurt again this spring – I had him as my as one of my top five pitchers going into drafts. I, I moved him back a bit, but I kept not wanting to overreact too much because it was a knee injury, not an arm injury. That was a big thing for me. Uh, he's fully healthy now. We've seen like I know we tell people like in spring training, don't get excited about you know best shape of their life videos and stuff like that. But that's kind of all we have right now. So <laughs> I I, like, I see his videos and I'm like, okay, he looks good. His bullpen sessions look good. Reports are good. He, he's back and ready to go. A shortened season. He didn't have to rush the injury back. That's always a big thing. He got to fully heal, so he's not adding pressure to any other part of his body. And, and the talent level is legit, like really good. Like you said, he could be a top-five talent. The strikeout rate is insane. His um, his, his X stats are just ridiculous. He doesn't have very horrific splits. You know, last year, a 2.71 ERA and a 3.09 XFIP, like that's really, really good. And it doesn't hurt that if they do these divisional things – Pitching in the Central, where you get to play two-thirds of your games against the AL Central, which counts the Tigers and the Royals, that won't suck either. So uh, I'm, a, I'm a big Clevenger fan. If he's fully healthy, which reports say he is, 
He moves back up. I'm not 100% on board with top five starting pitcher yet, but he's really, really close, and I think he could have a big year. And if anything crazy happens, 2021, jump on board. I, I think you hit the nails on the head. He's he's such a, a top-end talent, but injuries have always marked his career. And I don't uh, – last year, I think when he came back from injury – um, he was uh, a top three pitcher for the, you know, when he was healthy for the rest of the season. Um, where are you comfortable taking him in a 12 team league? In a 12 team league, if you give me, this is great radio. This is why I do what I do. Give me like two <laughs> seconds here. I'm about to pull, I'll pull up my rank. I'll pull up my rankings for you right now. I'll tell you exactly where I have him ranked. Oh, I love but it. Like, but you look even last year in the bouncy ball year, he had a 0.71 home run per night. Like people need to like kind of grasp that for a second and realize just how good that is when that ball is just flying around. He faced the Twins quite a bit, and he still kept the ball in the ballpark. That is pretty darn impressive. Um, so when you're looking at Clevenger, and I scroll, and I scroll, and there we are, um, I have him as my second guy right now. And I'm still debating moving him. At, he's he's basically, it's like DeGrom Cole Bueller is an easy three for me. And if you want to mix that order up, I don't even argue with it. After that, though, Scherzer, Verlander, Clevenger, that next little grouping for me, I could see Clevenger moving all the way to fourth if you want. Or mm -hmm. if you want to have Bieber come in, I'm cool with that. I, I'm slowly growing on Bieber. Clevenger's in that little second rung right below the Bueller, Cole, DeGrom, and with Scherzer and Verlander. So 12-team league, all that being said, second round, early third. That's a good spot for him. It's, it's just rough for me as a Twins fan. I don't know where where they pick all these pitchers from. I mean, they've had Corey Kluber's, the Carlos Carrasco's, the Clevenger's, the Bieber's. I mean, where do, where do they find all this pitching? It's like they, and Trevor and Bauer. You, and I mean, yeah, Trevor Bauer for that <laughs> year and a half, but he was good. I mean, Aaron Savali looks like a solid find for them too. Like, I mean, I, I don't know where they find it. it. It's insane to me. And they're all righties, all righties. They are. They are. How do you think about that? Um. Well. I think he's a righty. Speaking of righties, Rich Hill. Oh, oh no. Yeah, he's a is lefty. He's he a twin now. Oh, a twin now. Good transition. The blister god. You've got to know this. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yes, yes. I like that. Blister god. <laughs> Art, how are you feeling about Rich Hill? Um, I like Rich Hill. He's He is basically free. I just spent a few minutes scrolling down the ADP rankings, and I couldn't find him, so... You know, he's basically free. Um, now, Rich Hill had October surgery on his left elbow. He had what's called a primary and revision surgery, which is, from what my reading, is a variation on the Tommy John surgery, which allows for a quicker recovery. Now, why a guy who's almost 40 years old is having anything like a Tommy John surgery, I have no idea. But uh, on May 15th, he said, I should be ready to go for the start of the season. So, I mean, at, as like a last round flyer pitcher, I love the potential because when he comes in, he's elite strikeout rates. He's four to one K to walk ratio. He uh, he's playing on a really good team this year. And, uh, you know, the ballpark, he's not moving from Dodger Stadium to like a big hitters park uh, target field, even though um, they had a huge home run team last year. Tiger, Target Field, I don't think, is an exceptional home run ballpark. Um, so I really like him. He was uh, he was dealing with uh, with some injuries uh, 
last with, with some problems last season. His ground ball rate went up. His home run to fly ball rate went way up. But when you're taking that last round flyer, a guy who can give you the type of ratios he can give you, I think he's a great value at that level. I've ta- I took him in the last round of my my drafts. So uh, I mean my recent drafts. Uh, so I love him where where he's going. And I think Artie, and you touched on it. I mean, he's playing for arguably one of the top two, three best offenses in the league. He's that's going to obviously, hopefully, lead to get him more victories. He's also going to be able to start the season when he wasn't going to be able to, you know, join the team till halfway through the season because of his injuries. There's going to be less games, so there's less of a chance for him to get hurt as the season wears on. Uh, I mean, this guy, when he's healthy, this guy is always produces. It's just. As Bubba mentioned, if, if the blister God's gonna poke up on his finger or not again, you know, like it's, it's. I think, like you said, it, his value where he's basically free. It's like worst case scenario is if that blister pops up and he's out for weeks, you can just cut him at that point. But yeah. if he stays healthy, then it's a great value. He's your seventh or eighth starter on your roster. You're not really, you're not really investing much in him. If you drop, if he stinks, if he gets injured. You drop them. That's it's it's that easy. Um, I want to transition to another old fart, Cole Hamels. Eric, how are we feeling about Cole Hamels? You know, I guess I'm just being a negative Nancy today. I am not big on Cole Hamels. Um, I'm not going to count 2018 because he only played half the season, but he hasn't had an ERA lower than 3.7 since 2016. He hasn't had a WHIP lower than 1.2 since 2015. Um, last year he gave up. Six plus runs in four different outings. Not a big strikeout pitcher, so relying on ground ball and fly ball outs. And uh, he didn't go five innings in any of his four September starts. I think he's somebody that pitched a lot of innings when he was younger. I think his body's starting to break down on him a little bit. He had some shoulder issues this spring. I think going forward this season, you want safe pitchers. You don't want anybody that has the potential to give up seven, eight earned runs in a game and could give you a huge negative outing that might cause you to lose the week, especially since there's going to be less matchups. I think he's going to be a streamer that you pick um, when he has a good matchup. Wow. Cole Hamill's a streamer status. Yep. He is you're you're saying he's, he's hitting the low of the low now. Wow. Do you, Arden, uh, Bubba, do you guys agree with how, what Eric's yeah. assessment is for him? I do, especially considering he's going to be playing in the Eastern Division. Can you picture him with Fenway Park, the Green Monster in the corner, or Yankee Stadium and those lineups, even Toronto, the Baby Blue Jays? Uh, Cole, I like him when he's in the right ballpark, but uh, in that Eastern Division, it's going to be a, a dangerous walk with Cole Hamels. I completely agree. Yeah. I think, I, I think I'm sorry, he, he, yeah, I mean, he started last season really strong and finished and he got injured and finished really poorly uh when he came back from injury i don't know i don't remember i don't remember what the injury was uh but uh you know in a short run season i'm, I'm not sure where his adp i think it was around 150 160 uh maybe maybe it's closer to 200 by now but in a short season getting 10 starts out of him if that's what you're trying to get I can see him having a good 10-start run. He's probably not the guy I would take where he's going. There's a lot uh, sexier names. But uh, I, I could see him doing well, but I'm not going to be the one benefiting from it. Fair enough. Uh, I will move to uh, our next one here. 
Bubba, is this next guy opening up a can of whoop-ass or not? <laughs> uh, no, that's a big no. No for me, Bob. But uh, Griffin Canning, yeah, this guy uh, going into the season, everyone was a big fan. I saw there were articles everywhere, everyone raving about the next best thing, Griffin Canning. I'm just not buying it when you give me a guy with an, uh, an injury like he had. He's basically a young kid, could have had Tommy John surgery, or they're going to rehab it back. It's like when you're a Tanaka or a Price, it's okay, you're old. Cueto, those kind of guys. Let's just rehab it and see what happens. When you're Griffin Canning and you're 25 years old, you cut on him. I'm sorry. You don't want to have surgery, but that's the reality of it. So the fact they're going to be rehabbing him back, you know, they say he's throwing bullpens. He looks good, this, that, and the other. I'll pass. It's just as simple as that for me. I had, had a big problem with the long ball last year. He's walking too many guys last year, almost three walks per nine. We saw it throughout the minors. He had a very, very heavy walk rate in 2018. He's uh, fresh. Like he's only been. He got drafted in 2018 for crying out loud. So he's not like he's that even that uh, or 2017. So he's not that far along. He jumped to the, the majors real quick. He has some decent strikeout stuff, but the consistency with location, uh, the long ball, I'm gonna pass. Everyone's on board with him, and he's going real cheap. I'm not gonna disagree with that. Like really, really cheap in drafts. He'll probably start climbing up as these reports keep coming out that he's gonna be good to go. But there's other guys I gamble on. Like honestly, people are gonna hate me for this. I'd rather take the always boring but somewhat safer Kyle Gibson than Griffin Canning. So it's like <laughs> little things like that I'll just I'll just take at that point in the draft. So my question is, with Griffin Canning, anytime I see UCL, I get freaked out for yep. the, the, the magic TJ. And I look at the Angels' pass, and this is what happened with Andrew Heaney. This has happened with Garrett Richards. You could argue that they took away his prime from him. Um, it happened with Felix Pena. Uh, they have a history of, of kind of delaying these problems, and they eventually end up having to get Tommy John surgery. Does that scare you away at all? Seeing that that work that the UCL came up, and that it could just be a formality that's going to happen. Oh, definitely, definitely, big scare. The shortened season, you might be able to get away with it. If this was a full year, I definitely would have zero desire to have him. But uh, I, I have a, a weird feeling, like you said, their past track record, just the history in general with UCL injuries. He's going to have the surgery sooner than later. I don't, I don't think it's going to survive forever. And the other thing is, like, people point to Masahiro Tanaka, who's done it for, like, three or four years at least now since he just rehabbed it. But look how effective he's really been. He finally figured out his splitter recently towards the end of last year. But, you know, the UCL injury takes away velocity. It's harder to throw certain off-speed pitches. How effective are you really as a pitcher? So, yes, it, it does scare me. Um, well, I'm talking about a pitcher that has a uh, – Wide wide variety of outcomes to I think arguably the most boring pitcher in baseball, Miles Michaelis. Uh, I can't think of someone who I'm less excited to watch on TV. And uh, so, Art, why don't you tell us about Miles Michaelis? Uh, Miles Michaelis is coming back from a right flexor tendon strain. Now, the flexor tendon, it's uh, it's on the palm side of your hand, and it's what closes your fingers. So you make a fist with it, you bend your fingers with it. He has a flexor tendon strain that he uh, pitched through last season and which flared up again this season. He had uh, platelet injections into his elbow at the, en at the end of 2019 season. Uh, February, he had to get that again. Uh, so it did not promote the healing as much as it could have. This is another type of injury that almost always requires surgery for healing. So I am considering him to be, you know, stay away from this season. Uh, so he pitched through him last year. He was respectable, but 
he was not great. He was he was okay. He was he was he was streamable, but everyone who drafted him last year, you know, invested too much in him. And they couldn't drop him. Um, so I I think that uh, he's he's a guy who's who had a really good 2018. And is going to eventually need surgery, but wanted to put it off, wanted to try and not get it. And, uh, and you know, it's just he should have done it. He should have done it at the end of last season. He's got um, – he's got he, his, his numbers last season showed that he wasn't nearly as effective. And if he tries to pitch through it again, I think he's going to flare up again and he's not going to be effective again. I like that. It's good analysis, Art. Let's finish up with our last one for our injury bounce back or drop off. Eric, finish it up with Lance McCullers. All right. We'll end on a positive note. Uh, so he last pitched in the 2018 ALCS against the Red Sox. So he's had even more time to recover with the delayed start of the season in uh, his four seasons. And at least three of them are in three out of the four. He's pitched at least 115 innings pitched and had an ERA below four. So not really flashy numbers. But good for a starting pitcher three, starting pitcher four. There's also an article uh, from the SI that was published this week that the Astros have feel like they have a window um, to redeem themselves. For Landers getting old, uh, players like Bregman are going to be due for huge contract extensions. They're not going to be able to keep everyone that they currently have. And especially with the uh, cheating scandal, I think that he's someone that wants to get back on the field, that has been rested. He's going to have good run support, hopefully, behind him. We don't know if, how good the Astros are going to be. But for where his ADP is, I, I don't have it in front of me. Uh, I think he's a bargain. Can't disagree with you on that, Eric. I think his upside is tremendous. And, um, again, we're talking about guys, a lot of guys that are you're getting at the end of your drafts that have high upside that if they don't work out, you can just cut if they don't work out for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was some great analysis, gentlemen. I feel like tonight we found out who's bouncing back. Shout out Big Sean again. And <laughs> we're going to move to our next segment, question of the week. For our question this week, we are looking at who has the best batting stance of all time. And there is a great number of players to pick from. So, Bubba, as the guest, I'm going to let you start. Who is the best batting stance of all time? This is a loaded question. My goodness. Um, I'm going to miss so many, and I feel sorry for the listeners that that, that I'm going to miss your batting stances. But, um, yeah, this people are going to want me to say Will Clark because that's my guy. That's my avatar. That's That's the dude. Man, there were so many great batting stances. Um, well, like the kid's pretty good. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Will Clark just because it was so smooth and so just awesome. He has kind of had the, the 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 elbow up, the the foot in front, the right foot in front of the left, kind of at an angle, waggle the bat, and then just the smooth. He he had a launch angle like no one's business, and and kind of that badassery he brought with it, but. Um, I'm going to go Will Clark, but there are a lot of really good ones I'm missing. Well, let's see, Eric. Who is another one we can touch on? Uh, So I have a couple, and I was prepared to go last. But I feel like Gary Sheffield has to be an answer on there. That was one. I I was hoping one of you would say Gary Sheffield. Almost went with Sheffield. Gary Sheffield, when he played Little League Baseball or he played Wiffle Ball or any of those sports – 
I, that's what everybody did. They got the hands moving back there thinking they're cool. Um, it's funny because this was trending on Twitter a few weeks ago and Gary Sheffield was trending. I was like, oh, what trouble did he get in now? And they brought up this question and it seemed like the unanimous answer. I like that one. Art, who's uh, your player? I, I, first of all, uh, I got to say something. I hate Will Clark. Uh, oh, no, no. no offense. I, oh, I, it's been I, fun, guys. I uh, <laughs> I have I have a reason. I have a reason. Uh I'm I'm a Cubs fan. My my earliest uh, memories are Oh, I know I already know what you're talking about. Yeah. He, <laughs> he killed us. And I yeah, yeah, I uh, <laughs> I he killed us in the nineteen eighty nine NLCS. And I remember just watching it and like I'm a kid, I was eight years old. And I'm just like crying, going, "Will somebody get him out?" You know. <laughs> so, so I I have not gotten over my hate of Will Clark. It's been 30 years, and it's that's, understand. that's understandable. That's understandable. <laughs> but on the same vein, my favorite batting stance is Andre Dawson's. Um, that's a good one. I went with my favorite. Uh, he had a he he put his back foot back he had it in the tap squish the bug position that dusty baker always taught uh and he would he looked just like a, a badass out there he waggled he'd, he'd float the bat towards you and put up and just cork it uh i loved it every time i never in little league i never did it because everyone would know you were doing andre dawson if you did it and i just didn't want to be the guy who stole batting stance from a major league player but uh, in wiffle ball, I always was Andre Dawson. <laughs> I understand it. <laughs> well, for mine, there's a lot of different directions we can go. You have the Mike Avila's tornado swing, where he would swing his bat like a tornado before everybody would, would hit. You have the, the classic Craig Council with his hands up self super high. Um, and then honorable mention, this probably would have been my pick if we didn't have Bubba on, Kevin Euclid's. I mean, need I say more? That swing is just unique. But since he's a since uh, Bubba's a Giants fan, I wanted to bring back an old Giant, Aaron Rowan. I wrote leaning, that down here to mention him. The leaning back, taking a poop swing, where he's literally sitting back, looking like he's got a spot and take a doogie, and then all of a sudden sits up and swings. I mean, that's that's just that's just it all right there. Um, I had just I actually watched a couple of videos over the week just to look at some ones I completely forgot and I totally didn't even remember that and then it all came back to me as I was watching more of it. But that was that was great. I love that swing. I think Alfonso yeah, Soriano a... gets an honorable mention as well. Yeah. That's a good one. But when, when, when Rowan was when Rowan was in a slump, it looked like he was really constipated. It was, it was really, <laughs> like he really sat down on that thing. It was it was pretty good. Like, he could have took BP sitting on a, a, one of those five-gallon buckets. It was pretty pretty good stuff with him. Uh, I, I had two honorable mentions, and again, we're, we've mentioned a lot of good ones. We're going to miss a lot. But Julio Franco. Yeah, of course. Yes. School, like, he was the original, like, over the top, waving the bat around. Um, and then Jeff Bagwell, he was, like, almost the original Rowan before Rowan. Yeah, yeah. So that was a, a strong one. Is it a cop-out to say batting stance guy, too? I mean, he's got all of them, he? he has all of them. He does it. I don't know how he does it. That's how you figure out you have that talent alone, but it's insane. Um, 
We'll move into uh, our last segment uh, for the show. We always end our segment with a game. This week, our game is Prospect or Phony. So, I hope you guys know your top 100 prospects decently well. I'm coming in last. So, I'm going to read off 10 names. It's your job to identify if this player is a top 100 prospect, according to MLB.com, or a phony name I created in MLB The Show. All right? Thank you so much for this. (laughs) No Google. No Google. Yeah, you can't cheat. (laughs) And I will give you an extra point. If you can tell me the team that they play for. Okay. So if you want to have a pen and paper next to you, all right, just in in case you want to jot it down or if you want to put it on your phone at the end, I don't say your answers at the end. I'll run down the list and then you can just count your score at the end. All right. If we think they're fake, do we not put a team on there? If you think you're fake, you just put fake. Okay. All right. You guys ready? Uh Uh-huh. First player. Simeon Woods Richardson. And I'll tell you the position because it doesn't really matter. I have this player as a right-handed pitcher. Sounds like you made him up when you say it right like that. I I mean, I could be throwing you a curveball. That's the thing. I'm I'm trying to let you overthink here. And he is a pitcher. Yeah, (laughs) so after all, Simeon could be throwing a (laughs) curveball. Number two, Jeter Robinson. First base. Number three, Brockman Bruhan, left field. That's amazing. That better be a real name. That is outstanding. (laughs) Number four, Josh Jung, third base. Number five, Gilbert. Davis, relief pitcher. That almost sounds too simple. Yeah. <laughs> Again, am I, am I trying to throw you off with a simple no, I name? I know, I know. Number six, Seth Corey. Not Seth Curry, Seth Corey. Left field. Number seven, Geraldo Sanchez Casas. Second baseman. Number eight, Cabrian Hayes, third base. Number nine, Bryson Stott, shortstop. And then last one, number 10. Elliot Balazovich, starting pitcher. Oh, that's fake. You got a smile on your face. <laughs> oh, you still find out. Does everybody need any repeated? Is everybody good? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I feel like I went more real because then I could do a team and try to double up. I don't know if that's what you guys thought. <laughs> well, we're going to find out who is the, uh, the king of prospect or phony. Number one, Simeon Woods Richardson is a real player. He is the number 98 prospect for the Toronto Blue Jays. He's in Class A advanced. Number two, Jeter Robinson is a complete fat (laughs) body. 
<laughs> Number three, Brockman Bruhan. I'm sorry, Bubba. He's a fat phony. Uh, I was hoping to be a Tampa Bay Ray or something. It'd be so perfect. <laughs> number four, Josh Jung is the number 55 prospect for the Texas Rangers. And he's in yeah, class he A full. Number five, Gilbert Davis, complete phony. Yeah, I knew it was too, too simple. simple. Yeah. Too simple. <laughs> <laughs> number six, Seth Corey is the number 99 prospect. And I hope you got this, Bubba, because he's the number nine, number 99 prospect for the San Francisco Giants. Of course I didn't get the team, but yes, I got it. I knew he was real. I knew I heard the name, just didn't know where he's from. <laughs> <laughs> number seven, Geraldo Sanchez Casas is a completely made-up phony player. I was hoping the double name might get a couple of you. Definitely did. Number eight, Cabrian Hayes is the number 41 prospect, third base for the Pittsburgh Pirates, and he's in AAA. He'll be on the team this year. Oh, did you have the uh, team too? That's the only one I got the team right on because I knew that for a fact. That's Same awesome. Yep. The only one I got the team on. <laughs> <laughs> the only one. Well, I'm the odd one out. <laughs> number nine, Bryson Stott. Is a real player, the number 87 prospect. He's a shortstop in the Philadelphia Phillies organization for Class A short. And then last one, Elliot Balazovich is a complete ball of lies. He is fake. It's like the Russian scandal, like his name, lies. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean, Elliot Balazovich? He's with Dallas. He's good. He's Houston. I should have run it in that accent. <laughs> so those were all 10. So calculate your score, and then I'm going to ask each one of you your score. Eric, I'm going to start with you because I feel like you had the lowest score. You know, I'm impressed with myself. I got seven. I got zero teams, but I didn't know any of this. So seven out of 10 guessing is good with me. Uh, that's not bad. Okay, I'll take that. Art, what about you? I got six. Wow. All right. <laughs> and then Bubba, for the win, what did you get? I got seven. I got six of them plus one team. I got seven. Wow. Yeah, All right. You know what? Tie. You know what that means? This is live radio, like you were saying, Bubba. I'm going to pull up the list. I may pull up an actual prospect, or I may combine names and make up a player here. Oh, here we go. <laughs> oh, that's how you did it. I was like, you're really a creative, man. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I only did that for two of them. The rest of them I made up. Oh, man. The pressure's on. Now I'm going to lose it. All right, here we go. Are you guys ready? I'm ready. Bring it. D.L. Hall. Left-handed pitcher. Eric. I'm going to say real. Bubba? He's real for the Baltimore Orioles. Oh, all right. Going into another bonus round here. Oh, yeah, he got two. That's, that's I got the, the team. Oh, you did. Team. You're right. <laughs> yeah. It's called a walk-off vote. Bubba just one <laughs> to Eric. <laughs> you asked if it was real or not. You didn't ask for the team. Yeah, it was part of the same game. You wouldn't have known the team regardless. You know we you would. Another one. It's fine. I don't care. Um, I was gonna yeah. let you. I was gonna let you watch that walk-off. All right. <laughs> That was one. Right. That was one where the where the umpires had to 
had to see. Is that fair? Oh, it's fair. <laughs> I thought you were going to say D.L. Hughley for a second. <laughs> All right, here we go. Are you doing another one? <laughs> I'll, we'll do one more. Clark with an E. C-L-A-R-K-E. Freeman. Right-handed pitcher. Bob, I'll start with you this time. I'm going to go fake. You know okay. what? I don't want to end in a tie. I honestly think he's fake. But for the sake of winner laws, I'm going to go real. Well, the rightful winner wears his crown because Bubba's correct. <laughs> the umpires went under the hood and they ruled it fair, so Bubba wins. <laughs> well, nice thank job, you. Thank Bubba. You guys. Thank you. I thank beat you. Art. That's all that matters. Yep. Well, Bubba, we really had a blast with you, man. Thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, anytime, guys. Anytime you want to chat it up, I'm always interested. It's a great time t- talking with you, and I'm looking forward to next time. Awesome. And again, if, if for those that aren't already following him, he's at Bdentrek on Twitter and on so many great podcasts. So please check out all his podcasts, Bench with Bubba, Fantasy Degens, uh, and just many others. So again, thank you for your time and, uh, you know, thank you. Yeah. No problem. Anytime. All right. Take it easy.